Hey everybody, uh, welcome to another episode of It's the Kid Michael Show. Um, I am your host, Kid Michael, and I am joined by the step co-host, uh, George Pacheco. George, how you doing? Hey, hey. Uh, so, we, our, our guests didn't fall through this week, um, which is unfortunate, but uh, it gives us an opportunity to uh, just talk to each other and, you know, just... Uh, get people used to the new dynamic of the show a little better, I think, which was what that lost episode would have done uh, if it had ever come out. But uh, how are you? You're still in New York? Well, I mean, in the city. Yeah, yeah, still in New York City. Uh, how long are you going to be here, do you think? Uh, I'm actually going to Florida in a week, so I think like a week and, a, and change, really. Hmm. Um... So what's what's been going on? You've been seeing friends and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've been really busy lately, uh, trying to like meet up with as many people as I know in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's been <laughs> it's been like really like high octane, just going from person to person, doing things. Th- I still have like responsibilities besides that that I also have to do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been tense. <laughs> it's been busy. Uh, well, let's start off. The, with the same question as always, uh, you see any movies this week? Mm, I actually didn't. Not this week, no. Nope. I saw two movies. One last night and one before. I saw Hamilton on Disney Plus. How was that? It was corny, but it was fun. Oh, uh, I figured it was corny. Yeah, I mean, it's a musical. Of course, it's gonna be corny. But uh, I don't know. This the rap is really good, but at the same time, there's a level of like. Like, you kind of step away from it for a second. You're like, this is rapping about U.S. history. Yeah, it's... and I personally think Hamilton is, like, the worst founding father. Is he? Why? He wasn't really involved in, like, the war. As in, say, like, somebody who's overlooked, like, John Adams or Thomas Jefferson. John Adams didn't fight, though. He didn't, No, none of them fought. Only one dude fought. It's more about, like taking a proactive role in the revolution. Well, Hamilton yeah, wasn't even in the constitution. He was. Uh, he was Congress. He well, I mean, but he was Washington's right-hand man on the battlefield. Yeah, but like that didn't that I don't think that's in the same um, esteem as the accomplishments of Benjamin Franklin in France or uh, John Adams in the Netherlands, I think. Um, he didn't write theory the way that Thomas Jefferson wrote theory. I just think he was um I don't know. He, I think he's personally very lackluster in the direction he wanted to take the country in. Was I think the wrong direction? Hmm. He was very expansionist. He was very like he wanted an American empire. If uh, which is not very much known about him that he wanted to like continue expanding forcefully into uh, at the time French land and Spanish land, mm-hmm. starting a bunch of proxy wars and such. And this was during I think uh, still still Washington's term you know this uh, we're using a new recording thing right now because discord has not been uh, very good for us this thing makes you sound very like weirdly calm are you talking differently or is it just the audio I might just be more calm I did just take uh. a bunch of uh, horse sedatives oh shit um yeah so the only notes I took about that was that it was corny uh this one character, what's his name? Uh, Hercules. What the hell is his name? There's a guy named Hercules who was like an American spy in Britain. He wore a beanie, and I found that very distracting. 
I think they did wear beanies back then. Oh, well... But not like the way they wear them now. I think it's very... To keep my my head warm type of thing. Well, it felt like like that was there to be like... To remind you that this was like a hip-hop version of history. Oh, was it like synchronistic? Like... No, it was like he was wearing a colonial outfit with a beanie. No, yeah, it's like, um... I think that's, uh... When you have two things from different eras together, uh-huh. it, it's it's to draw attention to something. So I, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's a show that's like a hip hop version. Yeah, but it was weird um, that he was the only character that I can think of that did that. Um, was he like in the navy or something? I, I don't know. No, he was a spy. Thing. He was just he w- went to Britain and just like um, got information oh. for the Battle of Yorktown. Uh, the other thing was the guy that played King George. Uh, he was the only white guy in the play, um, and he was pretty good, but uh, he had, I, and I looked this up, and other people were kind of bothered by it, too. He had this weird thing where he spit while he sang, and because the camera is so zoomed uh-huh. in on this Disney you version. What? You would see the spit? Yeah, it was, like, all over the place. That's pretty gross. Yeah, I, I was, hate like, when I see that. like, drooling and spitting. It was really gross. And I... Like, I'm not sure if it was supposed to be part of his character, but I think I read somewhere that it's just, like, that actor has a spitting problem. Oh. That's pretty gross. I hope they get rid of him, then. Well, he was really good, though, is the, is the problem. Oh. Is that, like, other well, than the fact he was spitting, he was really good. You have to take the spit, then. Yeah. I, I, I still wouldn't like him. I um, still wouldn't like spit in my... Yeah, no, I'm sure it's really great from the back row. <laughs> Yeah, I like you pay so much for front row, and then you just get spit on. It's insulting. Um, but yeah, the other movie I saw this week was uh, Rebecca. You ever seen that? No. It's an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um. It's so it's like this this lady marries this guy who's uh, kind of. Uh, he's like a, a rich widower because his wife, Rebecca his, his ex-wife, drowned uh, when she was um, at sea and so he met, meets this girl who's like not rich or anything and he falls in love with her and they get married and they move back into his mansion and all the and like the main maid of the house is really antagonistic because she's like obsessed with uh, Rebecca and uh it's a thriller basically okay it's the only hitchcock movie i know of where hitchcock doesn't show up he doesn't have a cameo is no. it early in his career i don't know if it was early but i think i don't know he just didn't do it in this one um and it was a good thriller but it was like it was the kind of thriller where like you didn't realize why it was even a thriller until like three-fourths of the way through like it felt like it was so much setup. And, like, there was no murder, no nothing, until very, very late in the movie. But, like, it was satisfying once it got to that. Okay. I it, Slow burns are still good movies. I, yeah. I'm not personally super duper into that type of uh, movie. Yeah. Um, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's... I mean, it was... It was, like... It wasn't even really a murder... I don't want to spoil anything, but um, it was not a thrilling thriller, but it was a good thriller. No, Hitchcock's like uh, it's his signature. He makes great thrillers. Um, I'm 
It wasn't early in his career, this movie. This movie? Let me look it up. Yeah. Because uh, right a lot now. of, like, directors have a tendency to become more and more, like, exaggerated with their uh, signature styles or signature genres. And if it's just, like, this movie's, like, all suspense and no plot, then, like, it's, it So might it's be, March 28th, 1940. I don't know if that's early for him. Let's look up... Uh, Birds, for example. Birds Hitch- is, like, him in, at his peak. Hitchcock. Or that of Psycho. Uh... Saving. Yeah, so uh, he had already done a bunch of stuff in the thirties. It looks like. Huh. So it wasn't really. It wasn't really like early for him. I I think back then movies didn't have to be super like intensely like um engrossing like they have to be now like sometimes you just go to the movies just to like have something to watch for a little bit uh-huh um i think psycho is one of the first movies you have to actually like wait till the movie begins from the beginning uh-huh. back then you used to just like um walk in sit down in the middle of a movie and watch it from middle to end and then it would like repeat if people would kind of like sh- drift in and out yeah like it's it's more like kind of like today's TV shows. Yeah, I I don't like that as much though. I mean, I I'd want to get to a movie at the beginning, even if it was from that time period. Yeah, but these movies were designed with that in mind, you know. Uh huh. And like now you're like, oh, I don't want to like have the ending spoil. Like spoilers are like a modern thing. Uh huh. I feel I feel like spoilers, the concept started with maybe Star Wars, where you're like, oh, you don't want to know the ending until like you you get, like you spend an hour with these characters thinking you know the truth uh-huh. and then it just kind of became like um, I don't know I, th- I think if a movie is spoiled I think it's gimmicky a good story is a good story if it if a good story can be destroyed by knowing the ending it's not really a good like story then it's just a gimmick like, I don't know 3D about 3D glasses I don't I think know about M. Night Shyamalan you think he's gimmicky? I, I think he was incredi- incredibly gimmicky I just thought his movies were fun I, didn't, I don't think they're like high art or anything but like I think it's a gimmick in the same vein as um, 3D glasses or like that 4D where they spray water in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, good writing comes from good story structure, not really like you better not know the ending or else you know you can't enjoy the movie. What's a what's so? What's a really good movie that's not like that for you? Um. Um. Yeah, going back to M. Night Shyamalan, I think uh, his... What's that movie where, like, Bruce Willis is a ghost the whole time? Uh, well, um, I've never uh, seen it, but it's The Sixth Sense. Yeah, Sixth Sense. That's a, a good, like, first, mi- like, first, middle, and ending, like, like act movie. Like, the, the, the whole but movie. But it kind of goes against there. everything, every rule you just set. Yeah, I know, because, like, the twist is, like, it ruins... It, like, um, not ruins it, but, like, the twist puts the story into perspective but it's still a story about um about like uh, a man who like um I, I think it's about therapy helping people he has to like learn to help people and stuff I think the story could stand on its own without the twist I think I still think it'd be a good story uh-huh. but the twist does nothing but help the story really mm-hmm. like the thesis of the story I just think that some movies like it's more like 
you go to the movie to see which characters have died or didn't die. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Kind of like the Marvel movies where you're like, And you oh, think that's not a good way to do it? I think it's... I don't know. I don't think it's, it's good either way, like good or bad. I think it's a gimmick. I think it's like just very like lowbrow. Would you call Game of Thrones gimmicky then? Um, that That's a more interesting question because the story... Um, it wasn't written with these like oh who will live who will die type of soap opera thing that uh-huh. HBO turned it into and that the fan base turned it into what uh, George R. R. Martin was originally attempting to do was write a realistic uh, fairy tale a story where just because you're, protagon- you're a protagonist doesn't mean you'll di- you won't die and uh, what like what happened when you turned it into a show was that people were shocked that the main character died like at the end of the first season mm-hmm and it turned into like this, uh, like who will sit at the Iron Throne at the end, when that's not the point of the show. You yeah. know, like it's supposed to be really like realistic, like because like in history, Alexander died at the peak of his empire. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Um, like uh, Julius Caesar died very anticlimactically if you if you actually read into his history. Like history is very anticlimactic, and that's what George R. R. Martin was trying to get to. And then when you serialized the books into a show, you just got very, like, you got, like, more of a soap opera type of feel to it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I get what you mean. I feel like a lot of uh, kind of the 80s, like, I don't want to call it the golden age of movies, but it's a really good age of movies. Uh, a lot of that was, like, because, like, one of your favorite movies, Jurassic Park, you don't, you could spoil that, like... You could spoil yeah. that, and the spoiler, yeah. this spoiling the movie is describing the plot of the movie. The dinosaurs get out. You know what I mean? Yeah, everybody knows that's gonna happen. It's not a spoiler. It really is how they get out. Yeah. And what that says about maybe, like the thesis of the book about controlling nature. Uh huh. Um, but like you're not really go- like I I know who dies, I know when they die. I still watch the movie at least once a year, actually a few times a year really. Um, and like it, it doesn't affect the viewing, but like I I don't really rewatch maybe like say Infinity War, uh huh, or Endgame, uh-huh. because I I already know that the good guys win. But the thing is, I knew going into the movie that the good guys would win. Um, it, it's it's really anticlimactic. But you 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 don't think a movie can be good, um, and you still like probably know that the good guys will win. No, because you know that the main characters in Jurassic Park are probably gonna live. Um, again, it goes back into writing and uh, the structure of a story because you weren't really... The, the point of Alan Grant as a character in Jurassic Park wasn't um, will he survive. It's obvious he'll survive. It's about the thrill of the adventure and his story arc from hating children to uh, loving children. Uh-huh. And Avengers doesn't have that kind of story arc, you're saying? Uh, I think they did, like with Tony Stark... Uh, uh, going from like being like a, a ruthless capitalist uh-huh. to um, not so ruthless capitalist. <laughs> so I, I think it was like a very, like his story arc actually I think is actually the best one in the entire saga. Yeah, but I I honestly think it it meets its set like the end of its satisfaction at the beginning and end of Iron Man one. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think I I, the first Iron Man gives you everything you need about his story arc. Yeah, it went from Tony Stark bad to St- Tony Stark good, and then it does like six movies of like Tony Stark good question mark, 
Like it, it's like it, we already know he's a hero. Yeah, it's a good uh, point. I like the PTSD thing though. I wish they went more into that for all of them. You mean like an Iron Man three? Like after he went? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Iron Man three is actually I think my favorite Iron Man. I think it's the, the worst one. Everybody agrees upon. I don't agree with that. That one's dope. That one has a plot twist. Yeah, that one has a plot twist, but it's fun because you don't, you don't go to Marvel movies for like highbrow like storytelling. You go there for um just dumb fun and it's i think when they started like thinking that they were like highbrow literature that i started getting kind of bored because mm-hmm. they they started being more boring and not as fun yeah and, and in defense of uh the plot twist that is the mandarin uh i feel like people kind of don't realize that they were working with a villain that was inherently super racist yeah and yeah. if they didn't have like a twist like that, I felt like they were probably thinking, "We can't pull this off the way you want us to because this character is aged horribly." Yeah, and the name, the name alone. Yeah, is, the Mandarin. It's like yeah, and um, I like the that Chinese bad man. <laughs> yeah, they they made it like um, kind of like a satire almost. Like this is what you'd expect the the bad guys of the world to look like. Uh huh. But really, it was just it was just like. Again, it was capitalism. That was the real bad guy. Again, for like the second or third time in the Iron Man movies. And it, uh, they're arguably going to ruin that plot twist because that that new Shang Chi movie is going to have the real Mandarin as the bad guy. Oh, oh I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. They again. Like, I I just want to say I don't hate the Marvel movies. I I like going to watch them. I probably only ever watch each individual one once. Uh huh. And. Uh, and then I just completely forget about them until the next one. I like Marvel movies. I think the last two Avengers movies are the epitome of unenjoyableness in a Marvel movie for me. Uh, Endgame and uh... Endgame. I know everyone hates me like for saying this, but I think Endgame is so bad. I, I think Endgame's pretty it's bad. It's such too. a bad movie. Um, it's ho- the whole source of its entertainment is just um tearing the Avengers apart and then never bringing them back to their prime. Yeah. You're watching... Yeah. It's like watching a, a post-Avengers movie. Yeah. And they're not really all Avengers. They're all just kind of like... People showing up. They all just hate Thanos. Yeah. It, it's not a gang. It's just a bunch of people like beating up somebody they all equally hate. There's no reason they'll, they'll all stick together And I think... after this. I think the whole movie hinges on that one scene where everyone just gets on the one battlefield together. And it's only satisfying once. Yeah, it's only kind of satisfying once. And I, I hated how dark everything was. I couldn't see who people were. That's a good point, too. It, it was really dark. And the enemies that they were fighting, to me, weren't really like... Like, what is it? It's kind of like generic bad guys. Yeah, um, it was like every... It was like a bunch of... It was like the... The Chitauri from the first movie, it was like the, um... Those weird, like, alien things? Yeah. It was like a bunch of... It was the aliens from Guardians of the Galaxy were there, too. Uh It was supposed to be, like, a culmination of all these different bad guys, but they didn't have that many interesting bad guys. Like, legit, it didn't even seem like a close fight, though they tried to make the illusion of that. On whose side? it wasn't a close fight. Yeah, on on the, the good guys. You think the good guys were overpowered? There's a literal god on their side. That's true. And uh, that like that's not even the strongest guy really. Like Captain Marvel, I think is like a, uh-huh. a, a stronger god. 
um, Captain Marvel alone could have really taken out Thanos. Uh-huh. I also... Uh, I The two character arcs, I think, that they ruined in that movie were Thor and Hulk. Uh, I think... Um, I feel like Thor 1 through 3 was building up to Thor becoming... Even Thor 1 to the end of Thor 1 was the build-up to Thor becoming truly worthy. Uh-huh. Uh, and of being the king of Asgard and the ending of Infinite Endgame is like eh, you know what I don't want to be the king of Asgard that was weird I actually found that really weird it's such a weird like, choice it just, just right? like it's like his entire story arc was for nothing. I, I love the actress that plays um Valkyrie, Valkyrie. yeah, yeah. Tessa I, Thompson I like, I'm happy that she's now like I'm gonna be seeing a lot more of her yeah. in future movies um I, I just found it weird that they like kicked out Thor yeah is Thor not going to be in movies anymore? Or, or He's going to be in, like the, in, in the fourth Thor movie, but the fourth Thor movie, he won't be the only Thor because uh, Natalie Portman is coming back and she's going to be worthy or something like that. I, I didn't even bother to pretend to understand that. Like, I... So see, she has a, uh, an interesting story arc in the comics as Thor because the whole idea of Jane Foster as Thor in the comics is that um, she gets cancer. Uh-huh. And then subsequently becomes worthy of Mjolnir, the, the hammer, at a time where Thor Odinson himself isn't worthy, and so she can turn into Thor. But so she has this 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 power that she wants to use to help people and save lives. But every time she's no longer Thor, when she turns back, her cancer is significantly worse. Oh, so she has to stay like. Um... Yeah, so it's like a, a short story arc of uh, her slowly or rapidly dying of cancer and then ultimately dying uh, to save people. But oh, that's hardcore. Okay. if they take that away, which I think they might in the movie, then I don't think it's as interesting. I think it's super interesting uh, if she's... like I think the cancer part is what makes it super interesting. <laughs> the cancer part. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm a, a, a little fucked up for that. But... I, I, it just came out of... At first, I wasn't aware of this. Uh-huh. Second, um, I I have heard that Natalie Portman walked off of like Thor movies. Yeah. Because of how like kind of like damsel in distress she is. It was be- you know what it was. It was because Thor: The Dark World had a female director that she had hooked up with the job, uh-huh. and then they fired her before they filmed it. Dark World. Yeah. I I was not aware of that. I didn't know that. It was supposed to have a female director. I don't even oh. who who even directed Thor two. I don't even know. Let me look it up. Cause I know the first one. Uh, the first Thor movie was directed by the guy that played Gilderoy Lockhart in Harry Potter. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, are you serious? I mean, let me just double check that, but I'm I'm ninety percent sure. Thor director. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, for all you know, he didn't. Re- he didn't. He Kenneth just took credit. He just took credit for somebody else. How do, um, what do you, why do you say that? Oh, in his in the in the Harry Potter movies, oh. he, he doesn't do anything. He just oh, I, okay. I was like, I was like, wow. He just learned this a minute ago, and you were already. But yeah, it was oh, him. Uh, the second one was Alan Taylor, I think. Uh, I mean, like, uh, I, I'm excited to see where they take it. I just was not like it. Just came out really to the left field to me. I don't. I that's why I didn't try to develop an opinion on it. Like people were seemed to be happy, and I was like, okay. Like, I mean. If they think it's like a good, if I just enjoy the movie, then I don't mm-hmm. care. You I know just what's didn't expect that. Such uh-huh. a nerd. You're gonna like laugh. I think you're gonna laugh at me for this. But you know what's such a nerd nitpick that? Um, do you remember Jacob Assel? We went to high school with him. 
should you be saying his full name? Yeah, he's, he's going to be on the show eventually. Oh, okay. He, I don't think he'll which care. Jacob is this? I'm not talking shit about him. It's I'm, I'm oh. talking shit about both of us together, that we're both such nerds. Because we both talk about this one thing that bothers us about Thor. And that's... Okay, which, which Jacob, before we move forward? Uh, of the Harkening. No, I'm not aware. You don't know who I'm talking about? Blonde Jacob? Oh, Blonde Jacob, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, he's in the mind. band The Harkening. Okay. Um, which is why we might have him on eventually to talk about The Harkening and whatnot in music. Yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah. Um, but when we, when I talk to him, we always talk about how Thor doesn't wear his helmet. And that bothers oh, the shit lady. out of us. And the reason he doesn't wear it is because in the first movie, the prop helmet was too heavy. So they were like, fuck it, we can't we'll just wear it one scene and then we can't work with it. And then they just never remedied that. I mean, he's a literal god. He doesn't have to worry about headshots. What do you mean? Like, like he doesn't need he's, the helmet? He, he doesn't need the helmet. Right, but it's the look. But he's a god. He technically he could. He's go a, to but he's also naked. a Viking god. A Viking god should wear a helmet. It seems you already made up your mind on this. I have very much made my mind upon this. I think he should wear it. It's stupid that he doesn't. I I disagree. Um, I don't think helmets are practical. But it's an iconic part of the character. Okay, Mike. He, he, <laughs> he, can, wear the, he can wear the helmet. I'll, I'll tell him next time I see him he should wear the helmet. All right, thank you. <laughs> uh, but no, that's why I was saying you were going to laugh at me for that. I think he should wear the helmet. Um, is is uh, that Jacob into, like, Norse mythology? No, he's into Marvel. Oh, I didn't know and that. And the comic I, book. I, I just thought he was into the helmet because of the Norse... Like no, in the comic book, he always had the winged helmet. Yeah, he he does. I think it makes him look goofy. I am actually kind of happy that they uh, left it out. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you think... I, I, what they did really good... And to be fair, me and Jacob have the same conversation about Hulk's purple pants. Like or dislike? That he should have it. He should have it. I agree. He should have the purple pants. That that one's a no brainer. That one's like if you don't agree with me, you're a, you're a heathen. You have to have the purple pants. I thought it was so weird that in the in the the first Avengers movie, they're like, well, he can wear a purple shirt, <laughs> and he is. He's wearing a purple shirt in that movie, but then he turns into the Hulk and it tears up. But <laughs> what, what fabric does this dude wear that like it can like stretch with him? And thank God he was wearing that because. He would just be butt naked out there. Did, have you seen Edward Norton's Hulk, the technically canon uh, solo movie for the Hulk? Yeah, I love it. I actually, that's yeah. my favorite. I, movie. There's so many points in that movie where he's like buying pants. Yeah, no, I, I, they made a running joke of it. Uh huh. That movie, I wanted that movie to get a sequel just because of uh, the cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh yeah, it did cliffhang pretty. Beca- because what the, happened? What happened was the. The guy he was working with, who was codenamed Mr. Blue in the movie, yeah, uh, is the arch nemesis of the Hulk. He's a villain. Is that urine, by the way, that that's happening? Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Just edit this out. Edit this out. Right. I, I don't know what the hell that was about. Um, okay. All right, let me start over. So in, in, uh, in the Hulk, in the Incredible Hulk movie, um, this guy who was codenamed Mr. Blue, who was helping the Hulk find a cure, but mm-hmm. it turns out he's just in it for the Hulk's blood so he can like recreate it oh wait his brain gets all expanded and stuff, yeah right? because he's a, he's he's the arch nemesis of the Hulk who's the, the leader who's this guy who's he's the opposite of the Hulk the Hulk um 
the gamma radiation made him dumber and stronger. Uh, I think the leader is weaker and smarter with the radiation. Mm. So he has like a giant brain. So it's it, it turns the Hulk into a literal bronze versus brains when they fight. Um, and now we're never going to see... Well, we may never see him. Unless he's like the villain of the She-Hulk show that they're doing. I didn't know they were doing that. It's also pretty neat. Yeah, on Disney+. Plus. Um, you know, it's funny. They were casting She-Hulk, uh, and the casting apparently... One of the notes was Allison Brie type. <laughs> Just cast Allison Brie. <laughs> Just have Allison Brie is all female superheroes. Yeah. Allison Brie also as uh, female Thor. Allison Brie as the uh, Spider Woman of the Spider Woman. Yeah. Uh. We're almost running out of <laughs> Marvel female characters. Yeah, I think that's all I could come up with. Yeah. Um. And most of Marvel's main. This has always been a complaint that most of Marvel's main female characters are, she she. Hulk or she thing or she Iron Man or she uh, Spider Man, yeah. just like a gender bent. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like I, I. Okay, so I, this is just take a sticky subject for me, like I've, that I've thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with like having minority and the female, problem with women. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with like uh, um, this is that those characters like uh, Thor, Captain mm-hmm. America. Etc. Etc. Are like um, iconic. Everybody uh-huh. knows them. Everybody knows them. And you uh, to get like original like lat- Latino and like female and like black and like Asian superheroes. Uh-huh. Not, you'd have to start making them up. Like you would have to start creating them. And then it take years for them to get to the notoriety. Of, well, like, here here's my Spider-Man. retort to that. I think that Marvel has a plethora of minority characters, and the reason. They haven't been able to use them is because they're all X-Men. Yeah, X. Shout out to X-Men for having the most diverse like set of uh, yeah. Characters. Every every like minority character in Marvel that's cool and interesting is an, is X-Men, an X-Men character. Yeah. So I think, I think yeah that yeah. screwed them over for a while. But yeah, the, we have Blue Beetle. I think I think that's the only Latino. That is superhero. again. This is the second time you've made that mistake <laughs> on the yeah, show. It's it DC. <laughs> I don't differentiate. I'm sorry. All right. No, it's fine. It's just funny that you made it. Um, what so were you saying about Blue Beetle, though? Uh, Does it even matter? Latino. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I just, I just name-dropped them. Um, well, you've got you got Storm is, like, the, Storm, the yeah, black Storm's woman. The coolest X-Men. Uh, the second run of X-Men, which I didn't even notice um, when I first uh, got into X-Men, is that, so, like, you know how the, the original team of X-Men... Uh, was like a very unpopular comic and then they did the second version of X-Men which added Wolverine and Storm and whatnot and it became the popular version that second version specifically had every team member from a different country so Storm was Egypt Uh, Wolverine was Canada Um, Nightcrawler was Germany Um, let me see I think Colossus is Russia Uh, Banshee which is this guy that screams really loud is Ireland um, so like they they were very concerned about diversity in that X Men comic, which is cool. Okay. That's cool. Um, oh, I wasn't aware of this. Now that I think about it, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah. I didn't think about this before. Um, it, it does make sense that they're all from a different country. Yeah, they're supposed to be like representatives of mutants from around the world, and so they. Uh, I I can't I'm glad wait they for makes like uh, like make them stereotypes. 
of each country. Do they? I mean, I'm sure no, if you I'm look back at didn't. it, they do. I mean, back then, probably. But like, Did I ever uh, send you? I think I sent you once because it was like so shocking to me. Um, there's this. There's a scene in the X Men comics. There's always this this argument people make that X Men takes the the metaphor of racism too far in the sense that they equate their fake mutants to real racism, and in some cases that doesn't land well. You know what I mean? Um. Okay. So I I've thought about that metaphor too, where even the arguments like um. Uh, Magneto is based off um, Malcolm X, and Professor X is uh, is like uh, a metaphor for Martin, Martin Luther King. King. Yeah. Um, and also, one of the main things that like really bugs me is that if we're really being like objective, uh-huh. the X Men are like genetically superior. Nobody in our world is genetically superior from anybody. Yeah. But if the Nazis were flying around and like shooting lasers out of their eyes, I'd be I'd I'd be like, okay, I could see how they like got it in their mind oh. that like they're <laughs> genetically superior because they have fucking lasers, dude. Yeah. Like coming out of their eyes, so it's such like um. It doesn't work. Like a, it doesn't work in a one to one ratio. But I think what I, my point was that sometimes they'll they'll um, use the metaphor and then have it interact with like African Americans like a real life thing and there's like a comic where Kitty Pride, one of the X-Men someone calls her a mutie and she calls them the n-word Fuck. and Fuck. she's like yeah you don't like it how do you think I feel and it's like no you, it doesn't, you're not real no, no they weren't they treated them badly you can't sure. do that but they're not like if there wasn't like Jim Crow and slavery and yeah, and still you could also you also have superpowers. Yeah, you also have a superpower. Like <laughs> that's also why I have, I find trouble with it because there's um they could legit just like kill everybody that like is mean to them. No, I I, I I've talked to this a lot about people is that the, I always feel bad for the mutants that like you've got Storm who controls the weather, you got Wolverine who yeah. can like stab people and never die, and then you're the one mutant who's like a kid with a blue tongue. It's like you really got the short end of the stick. Everyone hates you, and you don't have powers. And you don't—you're not even cool. Yeah. yeah. I always thought about that too. Like it's not even within the mutant community. Uh huh. Due to genetic variation, there's still some like. There's a hierarchy. Yeah, there's definitely a hierarchy. They even—they even refer to themselves as like level one, level two. Dude, yeah, like black people aren't running around saying like I'm a level three black person. Well, there is. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is like the white light skin versus dark skin thing. You know what? I rescind my comment. There are people running around saying I'm a level, level one yeah. man. Um but I, I I would say that there's a more um defined tier system <laughs> for mutants. Uh Do they wear bands around their like like shoulders? Well how do you determine who is like It's just how powerful they are. Like a, I don't like the direction. This yeah, I don't like it either. It's all. like, uh, like I think Jean Grey is supposed to be like the only level five mutant or something like that. Oh, she's the one that like constantly just fucking yeah. like no matter what canon it is, she just, like decimates everything. Even more problematic, I think the entire relativity of the system of who's powerful is in relation to Professor X. I don't. I don't get why he has to be the. I see. Just called Dibs, so he's like. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm level three. You guys sorted it out amongst yeah. yourselves. <laughs> he's he's the he's the birth of Christ 
of what, like he's what the birth of Christ is to the calendar that oh like once he he's the he's the, the center of how we the... measure everything yeah you want to talk about how problematic um, Professor X is? He's a little bit. I mean, he's he's a literal uh, skinhead. What do you mean by well, just because he's bald? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't. Only measurement for a skinhead. Uh, there are people. My stepdad's bald. You don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to tell you, Mike. I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, the temporary co-host Morella was bald. <laughs> um, oh no, she wasn't bald. She had she had a shaved head. But oh, okay. um, wow, <laughs> I I didn't realize you had such a stance against all bald people. Um, this is this is a, this is a complete different topic than what we're already talking about. But did I tell you the Indiana Jones thing I found out? No. So. You know, um, the original... Ra- Have you seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah. You know Marion or whatever? She's the main love interest. Yeah. The, when Indiana yeah. Jones first meets her at the bar in that movie, she slaps him, right? Like, she hates yeah. him? Do you know why she hates him? I, I think I... No, I, I don't remember. So, if you read the official novelization of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the reason she hates him was because he seduced her when she was 15. Hmm. Yeah. And that's the hero of the movie. I'm not going to defend anything, uh, but this is a novelization. Yeah, but so I wonder not, if like, the, they had to have had a reason in the movie. That must have just been yeah. something that didn't make it in. Probably just kind of like, oh, he promised he'd stay and he left really the next day. Yeah. Like, it's still toxic in, in one way, but not just, you know, not like fucking avophilia. Yeah. It's funny how so many um, Harrison Ford roles feel rapey now. It's yeah, I, there's so many fucking video essays on YouTube about like Harrison Ford as a character in movies, not him himself. I'm sure he's a cool guy. Uh huh. Um, but like a lot of his roles are very like um, very rapey. Yeah. And, and they taught a, a generation of men that like acting like that is not only okay, but, but it's cool. It, it's cool. It's cool to just... Even Han Solo is kind of rapey. Hans, I, I was thinking of Han Solo when I was thinking about the rapey thing. Yeah. Because, like, do, remember that scene that's really romantic because they play romantic Where, music over Yeah, and in, she's uh, like, stop, my hands are dirty. He's like, I don't care. Yeah, and he's like, he's pins her against the <laughs> Kiss wall. Kiss me. <laughs> um, yeah. She says no multiple times. She does. That. Yeah. She just says, stop it. No wonder they're not together in the... In the, in the you know, I like that about the, the Disney... Is that they, they broke them up? Yeah, they broke them up. I don't think they would have stayed. But they did get back together at the very end. Yeah, but... But they did, like... So. He did, like, dip after... He did dip, and I think that's very realistic of his character. But people say that that kind of broke his character development in the original trilogy. Where, like, the whole thing is that he went from, like, a... a guy who only looks after himself to... Yeah, I like, don't... This is the same thing with, like, the argument with Luke, I feel like. You know what I mean? Where, like, Luke, like, would never do, like, anything wrong kind of thing. Yeah. And I I hate this idea that characters have have lows to highs and then can never go back down. I, I get it. Um, I get what you're saying. I just didn't... I, I, I would have liked a flawed Luke. 
I just didn't like the way they made him flawed. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, I think the, like, his... The question that they brought up, like, what if your, like, nephew was going to be, like, the reinstation of the dark side? Uh-huh. Um, and that's a really cool idea and really cool, like, plot point. I just don't think Luke, for the character we know him as, would have just been, like, I, I better murk him on the spot. Because <laughs> think about how much of a, like, a struggle he had with uh, Darth Vader, uh-huh. his father. And how, like, even in, like, the, when, like, this dude was, like, already, like, a, like a Himmler to Palpatine. Uh, he was still going like, "Hey, dude, why, why don't you just kill, cool it with the genocide?" And he was still fighting for his dad till the very end. And then like here, he was kind of like, "Hmm, this dude might be bad. I better kill him in his bed." Right, but it was a, I don't know. I I read that more as a moment of weakness than a than a decision to definitively. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I just I don't I think I think, um, they butchered Luke. Like I really think they, they they really butchered his character. I John not John Ham. Um, what's the character? That, like who who played Luke? Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill agrees with that too. That they think he they butchered Luke. I don't know that he said butchered. I don't think I don't think he's even allowed to say. It, but he definitely like had a lot to say about how his character was portrayed in the the new trilogy. Uh yeah. He definitely was very like. I, I was butthurt. I wanted to see Luke be, be fun, and maybe flawed, but like not in like if he took responsibility for what he did and was combating it. That's Luke. Uh huh. I'm not saying Luke should have never had a moment of weakness. I'm just saying that Luke just being like ah fuck this I'm done and just leaving. Mm-hmm. You know now that we're not t- fulfilling. Now that we're huh? talking about this, I don't know if I brought this up on the show, but my main beef with the ending of the Star Wars saga, yeah. uh, is that I feel like, and. You know, maybe maybe I'm wrong on this, but I I felt like. So the ending of the last, not the last Jedi, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, and the ending of Return of the Jedi are the same resolution, right? Yeah. And because of because it's a repeated resolution, it makes the second one kind of meaningless. Uh, yeah. Because it's like, well, what? Who's to say you didn't just survive again? But. Um. I always thought. That the way to end Star Wars, if episode six wasn't the end is the idea uh that um because the way star wars presents war in four five and six is that you blow up the bad guys and then it's over and i wanted the the new star wars to explore the fact that uh when you you don't just blow something up you have to coexist there has to not only that you have to like denazify the empire The Empire, the First Order in this case, isn't going to go away at this point. It's obvious that it's just going to keep resurfacing as a different thing. Yeah. So it should have resolved with the two sides being like, listen, we got to make some concessions. We got to both exist. I mean, I get that there's like an... Like, I don't mean that like you're off the hook for blowing up planets, but I mean like there has to be a plan in order for the two... I thought thought it should have ended... Here's how... Here's me and my infinite wisdom of how you should have ended the Star Wars saga. But I think it should have ended with a third threat, which it kind of did, which was Palpatine. But I think that the First Order and the the Resistance should have both been like, we got to get rid of this guy. I am I, I, I would have liked that. I would have really liked that. Um, but I, I think the, the mistake that the first movies did in treating with the Empire was just like letting remnants of the Empire like be like, okay, no. 
You could still exist. We don't care. But that's how real life works. Th- that is totally not how. Like, no, when, but like, when you conquer a country, you fucking completely root out the bad guy and hang them. Except for Japan. Uh, America let Japan off the hook for some reason. But in like, we, we fucked up Germany. We had trials. We, we annexed their lands. I wouldn't say we let Japan off the hook. What? I, like, the, all the generals, like, only like a few generals got like punished for what they did. And, like, the emperor was just, like, let... He was like, you know what? You can still be the emperor. We don't care. Right. But, um... What I was... I don't know. I just think the... My my point is, is that... uh, All the people that were indoctrinated into the empire... Yeah. Don't blow up with the Death Star. They still exist. Yeah, they're still out there. Very loyal to the ideas of the empire. So you have to deal with that. Yeah, and they they don't show that. They, they yeah, they, that's why I thought that the things. ending of the, of the Star Wars series should be because I think in the expanded universe that's how it ends is that, um, like very far into the future, the eventual conclusion is that the what what was the Empire, what was the Rebellion, and what was the Jedi Order become a uh, a United Nations. These three entities. Oh, that's that's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, there was supposed to be, like, a, a the, the whole reason that the Empire was, like, arming up was to take on, like, a third enemy, wasn't the it? The Yuzan Vong? Uh, I don't know, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that. I think that's the, in the, in the, in the expanded universe, there was the Yuzan Vong, which was, like, this, uh, this species that was completely organic, like, their ships were all made of flesh, and then, uh-huh. uh, they were impervious to the Force. That's, um, that's also in, in Stellaris. It's a fun little video game that, like, um, it's like a, one of those games you build your own civilization out in space. Uh-huh. And then after enough time passes, um, little hints are dropped as you explore the universe that that, that is coming. Uh-huh. And then you start receiving weird signals, and then you, they they land in your, like, universe. Uh-huh. And they're so, so much more powerful than anything around you that they will wipe out entire civilizations instantly. With just like their their main force, and it is up to you to like be able to like push him back out. When did that uh, come out? Oh, years ago, like uh, years ago. No, it's 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 a recent ish game, but it's it's um. You you fucking absolutely lose your mind. What's it called? It. Stellaris. It's on Steam. I I really recommend anybody who's like a fan of like science fiction, like space science fiction, check it out. Hmm. People that, like do their own little like cool stuff in that. You could have your country run any way you want. This looks like could... is this like Civ in space? Mm, I, I'd say it's it's like that, but um, so much more different than the concept of like Civ, that it it's its own little unique genre. Because you're not conquering land or tiles. You you actually are legitimately like claiming stars. If I could uh, run this on a Mac, I would play it. You can totally run that on a Mac. It's not like an intense like uh, a, a game that's really intense on graphics it's just a uh, fun st- it's more of like a storytelling like you're making up a story as you go uh-huh you could even form your little like uh what race you play as uh-huh. what government types you have what are your flaws and species what are your strengths um what kind of like um what's your like ethos on on war all that really neat neat stuff uh-huh and there's some really cool sci-fi like concepts that they implement, like rogue, 
AIs and um, like super advanced civilizations that are like lie dormant. Dyson Spheres, all that really neat, neat sci-fi stuff from like the 80s. Is there like a McDonald's cross-promotion in this game? What the fuck? What? Why? I'm looking at this screenshot, uh, and it says McDonald's Interstellar Consortium. I don't know what yeah. this is. <laughs> what, what, what am I what looking at here? What the fuck? Oh my god, I'm seeing it. <laughs> yeah, what is this? I... Okay, so I think there was recently a DLC uh-huh. for Megacorps. And then they're know, just like real Megacorps? <laughs> and then they're like, McDonald's is probably going to be a feature. Future, Like, everybody thinking we're going to have, like, a Wayland-Yutani thing going on? No. Uh-huh. Our Megacorp is probably going to be, like, Disney, but in space. Oh, it's a mod. Yeah, I think it's a mod. Okay, I was like, did, did McDonald's want to be in this game? <laughs> That's really funny. Um, yeah, I should check this game out. It looks like it's up my alley. You know, uh, do you know that, uh, Apple TV Plus, the oh, streaming service? The, yeah, the streaming service. Do you yeah. know they're doing the Isaac Asimov Foundation trilogy as a, as a show? Are you serious? Yeah. Is that, I'd actually watch that. Yeah, I would too. That's why I'm like, what? Really? Apple's doing wow. that? There's some really cool sci-fi shit coming out lately. Like, did you hear about the Dune movies? Yeah, that looks good. Fuck, that looks great. Yeah, I think that, I I gotta read Dune now because I I wanna. I actually like the Avatar movies. That's the Blue Monkey. Yeah, I love them. I I like them because they're like um. They're aliens. Their aliens look so cool. Yeah, and I I just like it because it's it's not something from the eighties. It, it 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 it's it's not new anymore, but it's like newish. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we need to make our new, our like our own sci-fi. Yeah, we. Stuff. I. It's. It annoys me that this generation is defined by previous generations' pop culture. Um, I think you're right. I think we have a really big. Whenever uh, I hear things are like bad, uh-huh. politically and like maybe even like societally, uh, I we we become a very nostalgia-based society. Yeah. You know. Like the '80s apparently were really into 1950s nostalgia. Yeah, you could you could tell the, because everything looks turbulence. like the '50s. Yeah, everything looks like the '50s in in those movies. Yeah. So I, I think it's really interesting. Um. You know, I this has been a very mellow episode. I think we're gonna wrap up right here. Awesome. Okay. Um. But thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh. You know, this was, uh, we thought we'd have a guest this week, but we just had some time to chill and relax, and that's, that's okay, too. So, thank you so much for watching. This has been It's the Kid Michael Show. Um, I am your host, Kid Michael. My co-host has been George Pacheco. You can follow the show and me on Instagram at at KidMichaelArt. Um, this episode was, the theme song for this episode was written and, written and performed by Matt, uh, Matthew Rosenthal, and the episode is edited by Aristides Panagas. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.